Come on, can we put our hands together for all of the life change? Like, doesn't that excite you? That's what this is all about. You know we're not just doing this routine just to, so that you can check it off your schedule, say that you did your church weekly duty. We, we're here because we believe that, that Jesus saves and that what we experience, other people should experience too. And so we live our lives and we meet every week on a regular basis so that lives might be changed, ours included. And so it's incredible when we get to see for the very first time people go underwater, come back up as an expression of what God is doing in their lives. And so we believe that even today, in this service, lives are going to be changed. Amen. Amen. My name is Dustin, one of the pastors here, and we are continuing our series today called Love Does, where we're walking through the final portion of the book of Romans, and it's been a, a, a journey. It's been a good one as we've been discovering, rediscovering what it means to love in the way that Jesus loves. Just a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Aaron started the series with a sermon entitled God's Good Gifts talking about we've all got gifts. How do we use them in a way that is God honoring? Last week, we talked about living a life of love. And today, as an extension of last week's message, we're going to have some fun with the sermon entitled, The Cure for Conflict. The Cure for Conflict. This will be a good one, so buckle up. Uh, can you remember, can you recall the, the last or most stupidest argument you've ever had. Like, just take a moment, and I don't mean to bring up sore feelings, or I don't mean to um, get your emotions all engaged once again, but can you just recall one of the most inane arguments that really didn't matter, but that it got you heated in the moment? Uh, I, I know that it is very easy for us to start with some trivial opinion, where someone has an equally trivial opinion, but that differs than ours. And we start laughing, we start joking, and then within a matter of minutes, it turns out into an all-out brawl because we, we differ with one another and the way that we're arguing leads to a full-out fight. And before you know it, you find yourself sleeping on the couch or whatever the equivalent is between friends. Uh, I, I know that this can happen, because I recently was in a disagreement with a friend about what some would consider a trivial matter. Uh, it was about how to pronounce the word mayonnaise. <laughs> Don't laugh at me. Uh, because I pronounce it correctly, mayonnaise. My friend, however, pronounced it mayonnaise which was problematic for me in the moment. It wasn't that big of a deal until he insisted that that was the correct pronunciation. Uh, I, I'm okay with people uh, pronouncing things slightly different. I, I'm from down south. Y'all are from up here. Y'all probably don't say y'all as much as I do. Uh, but our, our, our verbiage and the way that we say things are slightly different. But mayonnaise? And uh, listen, I'd never, ever before been that heated about a white condiment as I was in that moment. I don't care about mayonnaise. It's not even something that I think about on a regular basis. But in that moment, it mattered a lot to me how to pronounce that word. My heart rate has never been before that elevated over mayonnaise. Whoa, whoa, mayonnaise. And while me and my friend were able to, at the end of that conversation, go about our separate ways fairly amicably, I know that it's not always that easy. 
disagreements, can turn into arguments, can turn into fights, and that can lead to real harm. So I I want us to talk about today as we continue our series called Love Does, about putting love into action. I want to talk about how we deal with those disagreements. How in those moments of consternation, in those moments of conflict, how do we love in the way that Jesus loves? When we are in total agreement with someone, it's very easy to love them well. When we're in disagreement with someone over trivial matters or more serious matters, it is a lot more difficult to love them in the way that Jesus loves. How do you love like Jesus when you don't see eye to eye with someone? How do you maintain a disposition of radical selfless love when there is conflict? It's what we're going to talk about today, Romans chapter 14. Grab your Bibles, come on, grab your Bibles all around the room. Uh, even if it's your e-Bibles on your phone, uh, the words will be on the screen for those of you that just are going to disobey and not grab your Bibles right now, uh, and you can follow along with us. We're going to go through a few verses and kind of look at the chapter as a whole, but as you're turning there in your Bibles that are in your lap, I'm going to set the scene for you, okay? A little bit of context in Romans 14. The Apostle Paul is writing to a specific church in a specific location in a specific context about a specific situation. Paul is writing to address an issue in the Roman church. There was infighting and the the people in the Roman church weren't angry at one another about whether or not the music was too loud of the worship team or the carpet color or if there were the right programs for their children as some might do today, not any of us. Uh, the, the argument at that time was over food. It was over food. Some people in that church community, these early Jewish Christians, believed that they couldn't eat meat. And this wasn't just a, a trendy vegan decision. They actually had a theological basis to it, either due to Old Testament prohibitions against eating unclean food, due to the fact that they didn't know where the meat came from, and it could have been sacrificed to idols, and they didn't want to get that conflated, or due to the, the fact that um, the Old, Old Testament just prohibitions against eating meat in the first place because it was unclean, whether or not it was one thing or another, they just decided, we're just going to abstain from meat altogether. But then you had other, another group of believers in that same church that were saying, listen, meat's good. Like I, I love a, a hearty steak. I, I, want, I want that, like meat, meat's meat, meat's good. Bon appetit, let's eat meat. That's what they were saying. And you could see how these two different sides were against one another because probably the non-meat eaters thought that the meat eaters were sinning by eating the meat and the meat eaters were just like, I'm just trying to enjoy a good meal. Like, and so there was this argument, this infighting, this conflict. This is the situation that the Apostle Paul is writing into in order to bring about unity and peace. And he writes, beginning in verse 1, As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes that he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Verse 4, who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? 
it is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. In our inevitable moments of conflict that we face in our lives, some of you may have even had moments of conflict before stepping in this building today. I grew up going to church. I know what it's like on the way over to church sometimes. Especially if you have kids trying to get them ready in the morning. You say every terrible word imaginable and then you walk in with a smile on your face. God bless you. How are you doing today? We will face conflict in our lives. In the moment of conflict, it is difficult to act rationally or to remember how to love in the way that Jesus loved. So today, very specifically, as we look at this text and draw out three points, I want us to really focus on the, the, the concept that we need to remember these three things because if we remember them now when we're in conflict, then we can act in a way that is Christ-honoring. Whether you are in conflict with your spouse, your friend, your coworker, or you're just a keyboard warrior online, when we have conflict, we must remember these three things. Number one, write it down in your notes. Number one, remember, love is still the greatest commandment. Love is still the greatest commandment, meaning it hasn't changed. Let's talk about love. Don't you just love love? Love is a good thing. In fact, if you're sitting by your spouse right now, you could just take their hand in yours, put your arm around them. If you're dating someone or if you'd like to date the person beside you, just put your arm around them right now. But listen, it's not just romantic love. Like love between friends is an amazing thing. Some of you, you love your pet and that is an amazing thing. Some of you love your pet more than you love real people. That's fine, I guess. No. Uh, some of you have a deep love for a sports team. I don't know, Packers maybe. I mean, like there's a lot of love and it's very easy for us to love when we deem the people or the things lovable, when they are likable, when we enjoy them. We, it's easy for us to give it out. It's natural. We are professionals at giving out freely love to people we like. But when it comes to people we dislike, we start to get all philosophical with it. Love, what is love? What's love really? You know, like L-O-V-E, love, L. It's for the way you look at me. We, we, we just, we, we try to make it something uh, complex when really love is simple. Now, I understand there's some complex things about love. I guarantee you I understand that. But love in and of itself is a really simple concept. Scripture, in fact, outlines for us what love is. It says love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It does not keep any records of wrong. It does not keep any records of wrong. It does not keep any records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. That's what love is. Now I understand that is a lengthy list, it might be difficult in the moment to recall that lengthy list and say, I need to act in that way. So let me whittle that list down for you so that we can all be able to recall in the moment of heated conflict. I'll give you one item. Love is Jesus. 
and yeah, I mean that in a theological way, but just in a practical way as well. If you ever need to know if you are acting in love, align your actions, beliefs, thoughts with those of Jesus displayed in scripture and throughout history, and you will know if you are acting in love. Jesus modeled for us perfectly what love is. It is self-sacrificing. It is washing of feet, laying one's life down for the sake of others, even those that are against you. That's what true love is. So here in Romans chapter 14, when Paul begins to outline how to deal with conflict, he begins with this open-hearted acceptance of one another. He says, as for the one who is weak in the faith, welcome him. Welcome him, but don't quarrel over opinion. Welcome him, welcome her. Very plainly, this means that relationships shouldn't be broken over simple matters of opinion. Opinions are a dime a dozen. Everyone has them and they differ. I like cooler weather. Some of you really like the blazing heat that we're heading towards that we had and that we skipped over. I don't know how weather works here, but I'm from Texas where it just gets to a nice, comfortable 110 during the summer and it stays there. Um, some of you, you, you like that. I like the cooler weather. Uh, another opinion, I don't really care about sports that much, but others of you paint your faces, you pay hundreds of dollars, you scream until you're, you're, you're hoarse, and, and oh, you didn't even go to the game. You're at home in front of your TV, but like you love sports and that's fine. We just, we, we won't be able to connect on that level. But Paul here isn't talking about weather. He's not talking about sports. He's talking about an actual theological matter of opinion, and he says, still, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really matter. Operate first in love, welcome the person who disagrees with you, and don't quarrel over matters of opinion, over matters of conscience, don't disband over matters of opinion. Now, Please, before you think that there's everything's gray, nothing's black and white, look at what Paul says in the verse. He very clearly stands on one side. Did you catch the context clues there? There's something that clues us in to the, the direction that Paul is going here. He calls one side of the argument strong. What does he call the other side of the argument? Weak. <laughs> So like he's, he's kind of very clearly saying, hey, this is, there's one that's right here and one that's wrong. In matters of fact, but in matters of unity, in matters of love, and in matters of conscience, both are okay as long as we're operating in love. Listen, when it comes to any kind of argument, when, it, when there are two different opinions, this is always what it's going to be. Either one side is right or the other side is right, or both are wrong, or both are right. How can it be that both are right? Well, if scripture doesn't explicitly outline something as sin, there might be actions and behaviors that are okay for one person, but not okay for another. I know some of us don't like this. I, even me, like I'm a very black and white kind of person that like there's a right and there's a wrong and there is, scripture is full of, of, of clear teachings but there 
is a room for gray, and it's called a matter of personal conviction. There are, we'll talk about it more in a moment. I'll actually save that for just a little bit. But the point here is that even when your opinion doesn't line up with the opinion of someone else, it should never stop you from loving first. Love is what's most important. As the body of Christ, our mission is not to straighten everybody out, but to love people. Do you understand that? Period. Like, you do understand that God is God and you are not. That it is God's responsibility to do the saving, God's responsibility to do the, uh, the, the convicting, God's responsibility to do the correcting and the sanctifying. It is our responsibility to love. We don't save, we don't sanctify, we don't get to correct, we get to love. We only have to do one thing and yet so often we royally mess that up. I royally mess that up. When you and I are operating in a way that is not loving, but is correcting, condemning, all of those things, we are dishonoring God. We're playing God and we're doing it poorly because that's not our responsibility. That's God's responsibility. Our responsibility is to love. Remember, Matthew 22, 36 through 39, someone comes up to Jesus and says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. What's the most important thing? Love the Lord your God and love people. Love God, love people. That is your responsibility and that is mine. That's the first thing that you and I need to remember so that in the moment of heated conflict, we're able to love in the way that Jesus loved. Number two, if you're taking notes, remember, honoring God should be our goal. Honoring God should be our goal. I want to give you a list of common misconceptions, okay? Uh, This is just for fun, but there's a purpose to it. A list of common misconceptions, okay? Common misconception number one, Jesus was born on December 25th. That is a common misconception. You understand that he he wasn't. He wasn't. Uh, We don't know exactly when he was born. Uh, we, We can estimate based on biblical sources and extra biblical sources that he was born probably around 4 BC and likely during the fall or leading up towards, uh, sorry, during the spring or leading up towards the fall. He, he wasn't born during the dead of winter, but that's when we celebrate and that's okay, right? Okay, so most of us probably knew that or you're at least like, okay, that's fine. I'm sorry if I trampled on anybody's like faith right now, okay? Because um, it's only going to get more difficult from here. All right, second misconception I, I, um, I, I did this earlier this week to do for our online campus and no one was in the room, so no one's arguing with me and I don't have to look in anybody's eyes that disagree with me as I'm, as I'm teaching this. But now in this moment, I'm a little bit nervous because I know that some of you are going to disagree with what I'm saying and you're gonna be, but, uh, uh, yeah, but, but yeah, well, just uh, listen, I did my research. Secondly, um, another common misconception is that eating shortly before swimming increases the risk of experiencing muscle cramps. Listen, I get that you're a well-meaning mom or dad that didn't want your kid to jump back in the water, probably because you knew that they were going to throw up in the water. But the reality is, um, they might have thrown up, but they weren't going to get muscle cramps. That's just an old wives' tale to like try to get their kids not to jump back in the water. There's no scientific correlation there, okay? But you can tell your kid not to jump back in the water. You're the parent, all right? Here's another common misconception. Are we okay? We still okay? 
We're not going to be now. Uh, A third common misconception is that sugar causes hyperactivity. It doesn't. There's no, I it's silent now. There is, there is no scientific correlation between sugar and hyperactivity. There is a small subset of kids that might be affected a little, he's done, might be affected a little bit by, there might be a small subset of kids and I think everyone's gonna be like, well, my kid's a part of that small subset. But the reality is sugar does not lead to increased levels of hyperactivity. I'm just telling you. All right, here's another one. We'll keep moving. Uh, a mother bo- bird will reject its baby if it's been touched by a human. It won't. It ha- there, there's nothing there about, birds typically have a bad sense of smell anyway, so they're not gonna know if a human touched their baby bird at all. I understand that you don't want your kid handling a bird because they'll probably crush said bird and then the mom will know, okay? But, but there's no correlation. I'll give you one more just because this one's dear to me because I have a pet rabbit at home, but the reality is rabbits don't love carrots. The misconception is that rabbits love carrots, but in the wild, rabbits don't eat any root vegetables of any kind. Do you know where we got that misconception? Huh? Bugs Bunny. Bugs Bunny gave us that misconception. Now, listen, okay, or I hope we're okay. Um, some of you are Googling right now to see if I'm, if I'm telling the truth. Here's the thing. The reason why I even told you those things is that because in the moment next time when a friend or enemy brings up one of these misconceptions, you can be the one to correct them. Like, doesn't it feel good to have all the facts? Doesn't it feel good to know, no rabbits don't eat carrots. I'm done, like all of those things feel good in the moment to always be right. But the truth is when we become those types of people, we are elevating ourselves over others and in effect, we are dishonoring God. The better, more humble approach is to allow room that you might be wrong And that you don't know it all, that you aren't God, and that that you might not be right, that you might not know it all, that you can be wrong, or that someone else can have their opinion, and it's okay for them to be wrong. You don't have to prove that you know more than them. I know that I'm kind of contradicting what I just did, but I'm using it as a point to say we don't always have to be right even when we are even when we are. Isn't it interesting that um, being right isn't a fruit of the spirit, but being kind is? You can think about that one for just a little bit. Romans 14, 4 says, who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? We all serve God, is the idea here. It is before his own master that he stands or fall, and he will be upheld for the Lord is able to make him stand. A different version says, if there are any corrections to be made or manners to be learned, God can handle that without your help. Remember, God is God and you are not. So if you, can, if you can't find a scripture to back up your claim, or even if you can, be careful. Because people are not your project to perfect. You have your own issues, I have mine. And the Bible says to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, not to work out the salvation of others. And even if you think someone is misguided and wrong, instead of treating them as a project to perfect, what if we treated them as a person that needs prayer? 
That's what love is. If you truly want to love someone and you truly want to see someone grow in their faith and understanding, the best possible thing that you and I can do is to honor God by saying, God, I believe that you can handle this. I'm not God, you are, and and I trust that you are speaking to them, that you are working on their heart, and you are in charge, and I am not. And I am not. Romans 14, 17 through 19 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. It's not about those things in the first place, but it's of righteousness and of peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Remember, love is still the greatest commandment. Remember, honoring God should be our goal. And lastly, number three, remember, we live by faith and with confidence. You can write that down. We live by faith and with confidence. In our chapter, the final verses says, the faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Okay. So as Paul concludes his chapter, he's saying this, get this. It's not about food in the first place. And Paul's not asking his readers and he's not asking you and I to surrender our convictions. You and I have the Holy Spirit inside of us. So if you ever feel like, hey, maybe I shouldn't do that or should I do this or should I talk to this person or should I not, that might be the Holy Spirit inside of you prompting you to do something. And when you act against that, that is against faith, that is without confidence and that for you can be sin. There's a third member of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is active and alive inside the life of every believer, guiding and leading us deeper and further into truth. And the Holy Spirit likes to work through our conscience. In fact, at times I believe that when we feel something, we might attribute it to our conscience when it is really the Holy Spirit inside of us leading us. And it's our responsibility to follow the leader. I know many of you probably haven't recently played the game of follow the leader, but when you're playing the game of follow the leader, you don't have to know where you're going. This is good. You don't have to know the intended destination. Why? Because you're following the leader. The leader knows where you're going. The leader knows where he is taking you. The leader knows where you need to be and what's right for you. And all you have to do is follow one step one foot in front of the other. And when you don't know what's right and when you don't have all the answers, rest in the grace of God. Trust him. Allow God to direct your steps as the Holy Spirit leads you. You know the verse, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, it says, we walk by faith, not by sight. Sometimes, the thing that God is asking you to do doesn't quite make sense. In fact, today he might even be prompting your heart to do something or to say something or to go somewhere or to give something. And you might already be making excuses, but God, what if, what about, why, why can't I? What, what? I wanna encourage you today to walk by faith, not by sight. 
Allow the Lord to lead you. You might not know what the end game looks like, but allow Christ to be your leader. Allow Jesus to be your guide. And by faith, with confidence, follow him every step of the way. Let me tell you why this is all important. Because you and I have a very real enemy, an enemy of our soul that is constantly working against the church. He hates unity. And so he hates strength and clarity and will do anything to provide obstacles to make things difficult for us. Satan thrives on confusion and strife between individuals. But when we are one, God told us that nothing can stop us. So what's your action step today? I can't tell you exactly what you need to do. We are all in different places. But for some of you, it is very clear that with this message, you are going to repent on how you've handled conflict without love. Maybe you need to forgive someone for mistreating you in the midst of conflict. Maybe that's your action step today. But for all of us, we need to commit to memory these three things because there will come a time when you once again disagree with someone. There will come a time when things get heated, when you you are frustrated and when you say things that you might not mean, do things that you might not intend, and you determine how you're going to respond then by what you believe now. If nothing else, remember, the love of Jesus, his love for you is endless. The love for you that he has was displayed in his life, death, and resurrection. And while we were yet still sinners, while we were in complete conflict with Jesus, what did he do? He died for us. Can we bow our heads? Let's pray. God, we are imperfect with this. We don't handle conflict well. Conflict is difficult and at times we are not perfectly reflecting who Jesus is. God, I pray that in this moment you would do a work on our hearts and you would help us to behave the way that we believe. God, that we would keep First in mind that love is the greatest commandment and that that is what we must focus on. Love is what matters most, so help us in every occasion to operate in love. God, I pray that you would help us to honor you with all of our actions, our thoughts, the things that we say and do. God, that we would look to honor you first. And that God, when we don't understand or when we don't have all the answers, God, that we would operate in faith with confidence, knowing that you're leading us, that your Holy Spirit is in us, guiding us. And God, when we inevitably fall, when we make mistakes, we know that your grace will be there. God, we thank you for your grace, your endless mercy and grace. For those that are in the room that do not have a relationship with you, God, I pray that in this moment they would throw themselves at the feet, at the foot of the cross. God, that they would accept what your son has done for them through his life, death, and resurrection, that they would believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and that in this moment they would be saved. God, help us to look to the love of Jesus that he displayed for us perfectly. 
so that we too might display the love of Jesus in every one of our encounters. God, next time in the moment of conflict, might we remember these three things so that we might be more like Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. And if you agree with that over your life, would you say amen? Amen. Well, listen, we're so glad that you were here with us today at Life Church, that you worshiped with us, that you engaged with us in the word. Um, it's a special weekend, Memorial Day weekend. We do ask that you, uh, if you filled out a guest card or a next steps card, or if you brought your offering today, that you would drop those out on the way out of service today. Uh, and be safe as you enjoy what for many of us is an extended weekend. Be safe reflect the love of Jesus in all of the things that you do. Have a great week and we'll see you next weekend here at Life Church. You're dismissed.